Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Good morning. I have a question for you. Do you feel wise? Or maybe more directly, are you wise? Maybe like me, you might think there's certain areas of your life that you've got a little bit together, that maybe things are going well. But there are many things that you feel that are a little bit like you're shooting in the dark, a little bit hit and hope. I'm so excited to start this series of wisdom with you, this quest for wisdom. This is going to be a journey where we're going to look into the um, wisdom literature and learn about what God's got for us. This started a few months ago when Beth and I sat down and we were just interested in what these books had to say. But as I've got closer and closer to this series, I've realised that this is something that we as a community need right now. When things are going well, we don't think about wisdom. We're just happy to go along, not really thinking about what our decisions are doing because everything's going well. But when things aren't going well, that's when we really need wisdom. When we've got a refugee crisis, when we've got a climate crisis, when our children are not doing what they're told, they're still hitting each other, when we're at work and things aren't working out, when all the patterns that we were used to before the pandemic have gone away, then we need to be wise to know the right decisions to get back into a rhythm that works, that brings us blessing. I think the place I want to start right now is kind of like defining what wisdom is. And I'm going to do that through a story. So I have a friend, um, I've known him for a long time, his name is Chris. And many years ago, he was an accountant, and still is, and he was starting out um, in this company. And in this company, what he did was he would be an accountant for different firms around the country. And he loved his job. He studied his job. He would um, look into the laws and he would love playing with the numbers. And um, he just really enjoyed doing that. But he had a gift for it as well. So he would be able to see what was good for a company. And he was able to put that in place to make sure that that company would prosper. And people would be amazed and say, wow, you're so, you do things that just make our life so easy. But equally, he would spot something that wasn't right and he would know how to correct it. He was someone who knew what was good and could bring about good. And he knew what was not good and he could correct it. He was wise. And this is biblical wisdom to a certain extent. But also there was some, another part of his job where we, he would he'd obviously travel around and he'd have an expenses account. And this is a common story, and I'm sure you've heard similar ones, where um, you, know, you use expenses because you'd stay in hotels and so on and so on. And all of his colleagues would use the expenses account, not just for what they needed to, but also so that they could live extravagantly. They would kind of like do things that would help their family maybe, or just get a little bit of a bonus here or there. And Chris, being a Christian, said, this is not what God wants me to do. God has called me to be honest. He's called me to, be, um, to not defraud people, to look after people's honesty, to be truthful, to have integrity. And he made the tough decision that he wasn't going to be like that. However, there were voices, his colleagues would say, come on, this is just part of the wage. You know, this is what everyone does. We don't get paid enough. This is what you should do. And in his head, he was thinking, 
maybe this does make a bit of sense. But then he said, no, this is what God's called me to do, to be honest with the money and to not steal, essentially. But this brought some suffering because his colleagues would now distrust him. His colleagues would think, well, he's not part of the team. And actually, within this environment, it was very important to be part of the team because it's the way that you, you got progress. It's who you knew, not what you did to a certain extent. And the job was becoming more and more difficult. They were leaving him out. He wasn't hearing about information. And it came to a day when he was pulled into um, his boss's office, his manager's office, and he was thinking, he'd got it convinced in his head that this was going to be the end. This was going to be the time that he says, it's not working out. The thing he loved would have gone. And that was a sacrifice he'd made for God. However, it might not surprise you to know that actually he didn't walk out without a job. He walked out with a promotion. And it's not surprised because it actually makes sense. Who are you going to give the promotion to? The people who are stealing from your company, the people who put themselves above the company, or the person who has said, that actually, I've got integrity. I'm looking after your money. I'm going to make sure that you know, I'm not being selfish. That's the person you're going to hire. It makes business sense. It was wise. But at that moment, he didn't realize it at all. He, didn't really, he looks back into, um, now and looks back at that time and says, that was my wisest moment, even though I had no idea that I was doing something wise. In fact, he thought he was doing something foolish. He was sacrificing um, his job for Christ. And this is another um, thing about wisdom, that so often it is actually the first step of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And this is a phrase that we're going to come back to over and over again. Now, wisdom is a key theme through the Bible, and we're going to start right at Genesis, and we're going to go up to King Solomon, the wise king. And we're going to hear the voices of what they're saying to us and see if we recognise that in our lives. Now, I'm going to challenge you to look at the Adam and Eve story in a way that you've never looked at it before, or maybe haven't. Quite often what we try and do is we try and take our ideas of evolution and what science says and try and force it into um, the first two or three chapters of um, Genesis. And while we're doing that, we're often missing what it's saying. Now, you may notice that teachers and good teachers, and I'm paying a compliment, Sim does this all the time, they keep repeating the same phrase over and over and over again until hopefully you get what they're trying to say. And the biblical authors also knew this trick. They know that if you want to um, say something, then keep saying it. It takes us a while sometimes. So what is the word that is repeated over and over again in Genesis? And the word is good. You'll find it everywhere. So I've got my Bible here and it says, So God called the, um, the dry ground land and gathered the waters. He called, sea, uh, called seas and God saw that it was good. And the vegetation and the fruit and God saw that it was good. And the day and the night were separated, and God saw that it was good. And the, the, the things in the sea and the birds and the livestock was good and good. And then the very last day, when he created man, he saw it was very good. What this is trying to tell us is that God is someone who knows what is good, and he can create good, he can make good things happen. He is a wise God who knows what, from what is good and what is right, and he can make it happen. And if you see this as a theme of the Bible, or of what's going on here, then the, the next bit, which may be a surprise if you don't see, um, you're not following this, is that something happens. It says, um, the Lord God 
said, it is not good for man to be alone. Because that's a bit strange, isn't it? You've got the perfect God, the God who knows what is good, he's created man, and then he says, oh, look, there's something that isn't good. And you think, why would he do that? Because he's emphasising this point that God is wise. He knows what is good, but also he knows what is not good. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And he knows how to correct it. The theme here is that it's setting up the character of God as a wise God. And that he knows what is good and, and he knows what is not good and co can correct it. And then so the next part, even if you're not following this, may even be really weird for you. There's a tree in the, in the garden. You think, why is this tree here? Well, if we're following this theme of wisdom, then it makes sense. If we've set up this idea that God is good, and then it comes to man, this decision, and it says, now the Lord God had placed a garden in the east, and there he put the man he had formed, and the Lord God and all the trees um, were there, and in the middle of the garden was the tree of life, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden even to work and take care of it. God wanted us to take responsibility. He wanted us to be wise and work it. But then it says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, you will surely die. God is sharing his wisdom right there about how we should grow and mature, how we should work and take care of our lives and our relationships and our world around it. He has a way of doing that and that is not eating from the tree of good and evil. But then Eve starts listening to the wrong voices. The serpent says, you will not, um, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, something that God had said was not fertile suddenly became good in her own eyes and was also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and ate it. How often do we kind of see something that we know is wrong but in our mind, we listen to the wrong voices and we decide that actually, no, that's okay. No, no, God does want me to be wise. I'm going to take it. I'm going to do it my way. It becomes pleasing in your eyes, wise in your own eyes. And this is a pattern that occurs over and over and over again in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah, well, Abraham was given a promise the promise that his descendants would be as many as the stars and bless all nations. And yet, year after year, it wasn't happening. And so they had a conversation and they made a decision to take wisdom themselves and decide that the way that they were going to do it was to abuse their Egyptian slave. That they weren't waiting on God's wisdom. The wisdom that, of course, the nation of Israel was going to come as a miracle to an old woman. That it was going to come to a people who trusted God when things didn't look possible. And Abraham and Sarah decided to go against that wisdom and decided to take it for themselves and counteract all of that. And it was only when God created a test to say... Um, of, to ask Abraham to sacrifice them, something that would, he would never think he would do, and Abraham said, yes, I do really trust you, that actually that blessing came back. 
And this leads us on our way to King Solomon. Now, King Solomon was um, um, after David, and I'm just going to go there. And what I would like you to do now is, if you have a Bible or if you have a phone, I'll give you a few moments. Can you please go to 1 Kings 3, um, and we're going to start at verse 4. So if you can find that, I want you to, the reason I want you to find that is I want you to either put one of these little tassels in, or I want you to kind of keep it, because I want you to meditate on this this week. Because King Solomon does something that is the absolute opposite to what Adam and Eve did. He didn't take wisdom for himself, but he recognised who God was and who he was. And he put those things in the right place. And as he did so, the, um, the, the blessing of Eden that was taken away when Adam and Eve decided to, um, to, to take wisdom for themselves returns to, um, to King Solomon. So I'll start reading. 1 Kings 3, verse 4. The king went to Gideon to offer sacrifices for what was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gideon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in the dream and said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. I wonder what you would ask for. And Solomon answered, you, are sh um, you have shown great kindness to your servant, um, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. And this is it. This is the great part. But I am only a child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For whom is able to govern this great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased that Solomon um, has asked for this. So God said to him, since you've asked for this, not um, for long life or for wealth for yourself, um, or, nor have you asked for death of your enemies, or discernment, um, but for discernment of, uh, in, in administering justice, I will give you what you have asked for. I will, make you, I will give you a wise and discern, discerning heart so that you will never, uh, there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there, um, will there ever be. If I can just ask the band to start coming back up. Um, Solomon here recognised who he was. He recognised that he was not wise. He recognised that he was just a child. That when he looked at the creator God, who set the stars into heaven, who made the earth, who put everything in his place, who knows what is good and knows how to bring it to pass, he and knows what is not good and knows how to correct it. He knew that he wasn't God. He didn't want to take that apple because he knew who God was. And he said, who can govern these people? And what he's saying is, it's only you, God. I want to, I want to, I don't have wisdom, but you do. That recognition that he wanted to break the pattern that we all have, that all humanity has. And what happens? Well, the blessings come back. That's the doors are open because God's kingdom can come when we recognise that we are a sinful people, that we recognise that we are just children and we allow God to be with us and to guide us.
And as I finish, I want to do this prayer. And um, I want this, this passage to be a, something you meditate this week. And if you haven't joined a Connect group, then I urge you to do so. I urge you to listen, to, um, to come and discuss these things that we're discussing, to recognise what the wise king says, that, to, um, that we are just children and that, that God, we need to ask God for wisdom. So let us pray together. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servants to serve and work and be family in this community. But we are only little children and do not know how to carry out our duties. Your servants are here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give us, your servants, a discerning heart to work with and be community with your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to do this but our wise God? I pray that you have a blessed week, that you start on this first step towards wisdom, this quest to wisdom, that you hear the call of um, the ki um, King Solomon to recognise who we are and recognise who God is, the wise King, the God who put everything in its place and that we open our hearts and our minds to follow him and to ask for his wisdom. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.